We're live on Joy 99.7 FM, and this is Ghana Connect. My name is Bismarck Kwiku Asante. Tonight, connecting with us, Edem Senanu, who is co-chair of Citizens Movement Against Corruption, Peter Lancheni Tobu, is MP for Wild West and a former senior police officer. Kofi Franklin is a laboratory scientist, and Julius Kwame Antoni, a former student blogger, as well as Nana Kofi Aqua, blogger and also a pastor. These are very interesting and very serious conversations we're about to have. Let me start first with Peter Lanchini Tobo. He's a former senior police officer. These are very important allegations that have been made against the police service about how corrupt the institution is. Almost every search survey that is published, either by the private agencies or the government, seems to point out to the police. Is this something that he thinks it's just a matter of perception or this is reality. Peter Tobu. Well, Peter Lanchini Tobu, I've just lost him. I'll, I'll get back to him shortly. But let me also get to Julius Kwame Antoni. He's a former student leader. And these days, they say student leadership, there is so much corruption in there more than anything. Let me just take the perspective of Julius also. Julius, so you are joining us and on, on this important subject. What are your views on, first of all, this report that has just been published? I think, um, as you rightly said, the report just goes to corroborate the, cor uh, the perception of many about um, corruption in Ghana. Um, and, and most of the institutions that have been mentioned are not surprising at all. The police service, Lands Commission, Immigration Service, and all the others. And the fact that corruption is very prevalent, even among younger people, if you look at the report, it says that people aged 25 to 34 are the ones who paid most of the bribe. And we have to delve into the reasons why. It's, it's simply an issue of, um, you know, a two-way discipline on the side of the bribe taker and then the one who is offering the bribe. That's the situation we are facing over here. The Ghana police, for example, are not disciplined enough, you know, to, to maintain law and order without necessarily having to demand money from people. Or in the situation where the people themselves offer money to them, they are not disciplined enough to reject it. So it's, it's a two-way lack of a discipline situation we are facing. And unless something is done about it now, the, the fight against corruption is lost for an entire generation. If you look at the statistics, people between age 24 to 35 are the ones paying the prime most. And even if you go down 18 to 24, you realize that the, 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 the percentage is, is so much. So it's, it's, it's a big problem. And in the student context, yes, you come across these situations a lot. I mean, um, my office, when I was new general secretary... Mm. So, Julius, so, so I'll, I'll come back so that yeah. you share the anecdotal mm. stories about corruption that you had to encounter whilst you served in leadership. Let me go back to Peter Lanchini Tobo. He's a, a former senior police officer. He's now a member of parliament for Wild West. And let me ask him what he makes of the perception of corruption in the country even before we zoom into that report itself good evening how are you i'm doing very well sir i'll be Wonderful. good thank you for the opportunity i think that we we need to understand in a deeper context the meaning projected by the research or in other words the survey when we talk about corruption perception index there is a direct relationship between perception and visibility the more visible an organization is to the public, the very likelihood, the very likelihood of it being high on the corruption perception index. You see, the Ghana Police Service, as we've seen over the years, always topping the chart. 
the statement that is being made that we need to understand deeply is that it's not just the Ghana police service that is corrupt. The Ghana police service stands as a mirror to Ghana. So Ghana police service mirrors the national status on integrity. It mirrors the national status on bribery and corruption. So until we have a national approach to deal with corruption, that will succeed and it will reflect in the Ghana police service because every country deserves the police that they have. When you go to Norway, you go to Germany, you go to Korea, when you see the police officer, the stature of the police officer, the professionalism of the police officer will tell you that this country is a country that is disciplined, this country is a country that hates corruption, and this country is a country that will ensure that if you do the wrong, you will be dealt with. The police protest that. So in the same way, when you come to Ghana, you see that the police are perceived to be very corrupt. In fact, it is just the tip of the iceberg showing that Ghana is corrupt. And this has been confirmed by, the transparency, by transparency International in their Global Corruption Perception Index. Ghana is 73rd with a very poor score of 43. Mm. It tells you the whole Ghana is corrupt. And you will accept that we continue to look at the mirror instead of looking at the problem. Right. Uh, and that's a very important distinction you bring in. Let me bring in um, Nana Kufiakwa now, who is a pastor and also a blogger. Listen, what Peter Lanchini Tobu is saying is that to be able to be able to take these institutions out, you need to look at the bigger picture of Ghanaians in general. Are we not just so corrupt that is why it reflects on almost all our institutions uh, uh good good evening uh, to your uh, listeners and uh, good to be here i personally don't think there is an aspect of ghanian culture or life where there is no corruption i think it's almost impossible to function properly in this country if if you are not corrupt uh, what happens is that uh, most of the time the poor the young uh, have to pay their bribe directly. Uh, many of us will hire a lawyer or somebody else to go do it for us. So, for example, if I have to register land, I won't go and work at the land commission going back and forth sweating. I will hire somebody. I will hire some legal secretary or some lawyer somewhere to do the registration for me. You know. So, all we do is that if you have a position that is sensitive, you're a pastor, you are a leader of some sort, you don't interface directly with it. You know, other people do the dirty work for you, you know, but as a nation, we truly are very, very corrupt because corruption is a cultural thing. And uh, uh, the thing we see about culture is that uh, the fish is the last one to see the water. And if you are born into a culture, you grow up in it, you think it is normal. You know, there are young women who think the only way to get a job uh, is to sleep with somebody. Like, they genuinely believe that. So if you do them a favor and and don't ask for a phone number, they are surprised, you know. Uh, the, the culture, our culture is a very, very corrupt one. And uh, I think that is a, instead of accusing each other and finding out who is more corrupt, 1% of corruption is just as bad as 100%. So I will say that as a nation, we need to come to a place of uh, proper national repentance because corruption makes life extremely, extremely expensive and difficult. You know, and uh, and ask ourselves: Is this what we really want? Ooh, Adam, if this Adam, is not what we want, what can we do to change it? Adam uh, Senado, Adam Senado. So you you run an institution that looks at the issue of corruption very much, and look at what um, um, Nana Kufiakwa just said. It's almost impossible not to be corrupt. So if you are going to register your land, if you had some issues at the passport office, there are people all over the place. That are demanding these amounts of you, so it's it's simply not it's simply not possible for Ghanaians to not want to pay a bribe or demand bribe. 
Um, sorry, I missed the question. Can you can you give the question again? Yes. Yeah, so Nanaku Fiakwa makes the point about how is the Ghanaian society has become so corrupt. Indeed, it fed from the early position from Peter Lantini, a former police officer, who says that it's almost impossible, right? Because the Ghanaian culture promotes corruption. So you go to the passport office, you go to the DVLA to register your vehicle. There are all sorts of demands on you as a person. You run a corrupt anti-corruption institution. Is this not a ref reflection of reality? Well, yes, it is a reflection of the reality that uh, in many quarters you are compelled to, even when you don't want to. Uh, people are finding ways to try and make you know that if you don't put a weight on the paper, if you don't, uh, uh, as it were, slip something into the, the book or the envelope, they are not going to mind you or it's going to take forever. Um, I have a habit of when I engage like that, I want to test the system, so I'll make sure I ask all the questions. I refuse to pay, uh, and then I'll, I'll rise from the bottom to the middle-level management top, and I'll tell you that you are part of the people destroying this country. Um, but yes, I'm quite aware that it is very prevalent, and I think that the recent report is, is, is something that all of us need to begin to talk a lot more about in terms of what are we going to do differently. I mean, yes, we've been talking about it. Uh, we have a markup, but we probably want to find what are the new strategies to make sure we are getting better results. Otherwise, it looks like a road that is headed in a direction that is not the direction this country or should be taking. Kofi uh, Franklin, what, what are your own views? Kofi, thank you very much. I think um, my view on um, the current report and corruption in general. It has to do much more with how um, our leaders um, show commitment to tackling corruption in Ghana. Uh, many a times, a lot of uh, corruption issues and uh, people that are found in leadership position are caught engaging in corrupt and taking bribes and all those things. The question is, to what end does such cases uh, get to? We virtually make a little noise about it on social media and traditional media, then it just comes down to nothing. So to me, much more has to do with our leaders showing commitment to tackling corruption and uh, making out stringent, um, stringent uh, measures of tackling it. Otherwise, because now corruption is now a norm. And in the little thing that you do in any public health um, um, facility, the, those who the public health service delivers, always expect you to give them something. So it's until our leaders probably sit up and, 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 and show commitment to solving it, we'll all be singing the same song, mm. which is also killing us. And, and, and you know, talking about corruption and Ghanaian culture, is it, is, it, is it not that sometimes we overestimate what the situation is? Because the Ghanaian culture is such a giving culture that when, some, when someone does something for you, it's it's naturally expected that you give something in return. Sometimes the person asking is 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 not doing so because they want to be corrupt. It's simply because it's such a cultural thing that is that that cannot be said to be corruption. What are your views on that? I think that if you do me a favor and it came from your heart and I am grateful, a handshake, 
we're nothing else but thank you very much i'm truly grateful should be enough you know uh i, I really hope that but, uh, but are we are we not a people of gift a people of gifting giving uh, no no I, I don't think we are a people of gifting i think we are corrupt people there's a huge difference uh, between being generous and being corrupt and what our problem is not generosity it is corruption if we were uh, uh, generous people we we wouldn't uh, uh, give tell girls to give before we we, we we get them a job you know like the, the levels the extent i don't want to go into particular corruption cases i have witnessed or heard you know it's it's really 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 bad and i'm hoping that all of us together can sit down and say this thing gives us no future like ghana as we speak now has really no future as long as we stay like this you know listen life is difficult you know people People spend, if you look at the jobs people have, okay, if you look at how much they earn, the cars they drive, where they live. In fact, you forget about that. You pay somebody 2,000 Ghana CDs a month. The person has a wife and three children or a husband and three children. She lives one hour away from work, okay? Uh, they, they rent an apartment. They have bills to pay. They, they have that to do. As the employer, you have to ask yourself, how... Are they going to survive on, on 2,000 or a total of 4,000 Ghana cities a month? And I know I'm being generous by giving a typical Ghanaian family 4,000 Ghana cities a month. It is overly generous. And, and you, but if, you, if we will be honest with ourselves, we, we have to ask ourselves, how do you put three children in school, feed them, clothe them, take them to school and back every day, go to work and back every day, uh, dress well for work, make sure that you don't look shabby, look that, and then you have your mother in the village who needs you, your little brother who needs to pay school fees, with all the, what we call black tax. Mm -hmm. you know, apart from your own immediate struggles, we have what we call the black tax, all the other people in your village and community that you have to support. And you have to genuinely ask yourself, how can anybody survive on, on even 10,000 Ghana cities a month, you know, for all the people on your panel speaking, if they were to list their list of dependents, you, you would see, you know. So I think as a nation, we really have to ask these questions very honestly and ask ourselves, how do we change it? Hmm. You know, how do we change it? Because hmm. if we are not honest about the conversation and we make it pointing finger at, at fingers at that one and pointing, listen, corruption, it is in the church, it is in the mosque, it is on the streets, it is in the schools, it is in the hospitals. If you go to Kolebu, as I'm sitting here, if I need to go to Kolebu, okay, what I do is I'll call a friend who is a doctor. Why do I call a friend who is a doctor? I call a friend who is a doctor because anytime you get to Kolebu, you see a, a queue of people who have been there from 3 a.m., 4 a.m., waiting to see a doctor. And you don't have the luxury of time. If anybody says they are not corrupt in this nation, it means the person must be willing to go and queue at Kolibu from 2 a.m., 3 a.m. to see a doctor. They have to be willing <laughs> to deal with all the nonsense that gets thrown in your face anytime you want to make just a little progress. Mm. They have to be willing to go to Lands Commission, buy a form, fill it, pay the, the few hundred cities they are supposed to pay, and wait for 10 years to get a, a yellow card. You know? Mm. But mm. we don't do that. Yeah. So We don't do that. And, and, and Yes, and yeah, I'm me, saying me, that if we want these things to change... Mm. If we want these things to change, we must come to the table with honesty, because it's not helping us. Mm. You know, it's not helping us, and it won't help us. Yeah. So, how do we change? Mm -hmm. So, so, Mr. Senanu, the system is just programmed in just the way, just 
us nana kofia kwa is 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 the point he's making is the system is just programmed in such a way that you just can't skip being corrupt you go inside that anecdotal case of going to Kolebu, meeting a long queue. If you go to the passport office, it's a similar story. If you go to DVLA, you just have to grease someone's palm to be able to get something as basic as getting your driver's license done. Yeah, uh, sorry. Let me let me make this before before Adam forgive me. But you see, there is the paying the money, but corruption is not just about paying money. Corruption also is calling in favors. Is it, that's the part we are forgetting because those of us who went to boarding school, went to good schools, have certain family names. Life is easier for us in this nation than those who have no connections. The guy who came from the north of Ghana with a family name that nobody else knows, who has no friends uh, in law, they have no friends in medicine, they have no friends in the judiciary. For that person, they may have to pay money. For some of us, it's just a phone call away. It's a calling a friend who calls a friend who calls a friend, and you walk into the passport office and you get it done. You know. So just because I am not paying money doesn't mean I am not corrupt, and and that is the part of corruption we tend to ignore. Ignore. You know? In the country where the system works, I don't need to call a friend at the passport office to renew my passport. If you go online and it says it takes 48 hours, I should get it back in 48 hours. If, if, if the system says it takes two days, it should take two days. If I need a, an a express or emergency, there should be a price for express service. It's as simple as that. Mm. But so, in this nation, in the, in if the, you don't pay or call a favor, call in a favor, you are stuck. So so that, that that's, that's, a, that's a very good point in terms of these calling in favors because even in Ghana, there are a few systems that work a bit where you apply something online, say to a university for your transcript, for instance, and as soon as the time's allotted is up, then you have your thing ready, then you go and pick it. Adam Senan, what are your views on this? Well, I, I, I mean, we, I think we're all speaking to the reality we face now. I think that we need to spend a lot more of our energy on what do we do differently. There have been traces of that. And in my mind, in the jurisdictions where you don't find corruption being that high, what it is is that you have systems that on the sanction side, sanctions are severe, they are speedy, they are regularly applied and objectively so without any form of fear or favor. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves is, how do we ensure that in our jurisdiction, there are sanctions that apply to this, they are punitive enough, severe enough to set a certain threshold where this is high risk and low gain. We need to have severe punishments. We need to make sure that they are speedy. Our process is speedy in terms of investigation, prosecution, and sanctioning, I've been talking about how we need fast-track courts. We need to deploy people who can. Because if, if you look at the last set of elections, a uh, major party had where money was flowing, they say transportation, but it's way more than transportation. That's a good place to start. Because those are going to become the pool of MPs from whom the next president may need to choose your minister or deputy minister, and they're already corrupt. So on the sanction side, then on the incentive side also, you find that those jurisdictions have rewards for people who do things right. How do we reward those who are applying policies and systems fairly, in, whether it's the policemen themselves? Because that's a good place to start, to showcase that the policemen who don't take bribes, who 
who, who stand for what is right and who make sure they play their role appropriately get incentivized. How do we do that? So we need to think through these things concretely. And it's not rocket science. We are not reinventing the wheel. There are places where it is working. We need to ride on the back of them and then find the men and women who make this happen. Because so, leadership has failed us in this country. Mm. So, Julius, you look at the report that was authored <laughs> by the Ghana Statistical Service and its partners. It talks about the people who are more likely to face a situation of being asked for a bribe. People who have bachelor's degree and above. Someone like you. Do you have personal stories to share? What do you make of this report from the Statistical Service? Uh, yeah, Coco, I think I have a personal story to share. And, 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 and even before I go there, I want to deal with one of the issues that was raised. I've forgotten the name of the individual who was saying that the situation is not a matter of certain institutions being overly corrupt, but we are all generally corrupt. As well as there is a bit of corruption in almost every Ghanaian, there are some institutions that must be called out for the kind of situations that exist within those institutions for us to properly put this issue into perspective. Corruption can be, you know, detected from individual perspective, from structural perspectives, and then from institutional perspectives. From individual perspectives is when I deliberately do things to force you to pay me by or to force you to give me an advantage I'm not due or something of the sort. The structural situation is a situation I think Nana Kofi mentioned about hospitals where you have to go and queue and all that. To skip all that, then you would have to pay. But let's look at the police service, for example. The police service deliberately creates situations where people have to give them money. For example, during my notes campaign, we were driving a DV, and, and they, they, they claimed that our logbook was not up to date. And the right thing to do was to give us a ticket so that we go to court. We report there within, I think, 48 hours. This police will not give us the ticket. He will not even let the car move. So in that situation, you are, you, are, you are faced with a situation where you are forced to give him the money and go on doing what he claims is bad for which he's stopping you, which means to keep driving that car for which the logbook is not up to date. And he takes the money and you move on. So the situation with the police service especially must be looked at. We don't need to bundle everybody together. Yes, in the hospitals, the structural situation, because systems are not working where you can go and immediately move on, People may need to pay bribe to skip and all that. But in the police service, for example, they create the situation. It's actually... Hello, Julius. I think I might have lost Julius there. And Julius was making the point about how you are, you, you are, you are just forced to, to simply have to pay. So it, it, the country as a whole, we've initiated moves to try and deal with it. We have the special prosecutor. We have Shrads. We have Yoko. We have a lot of other institutions. Adam Senanu, you have been hitting on this hub for a very long time. The measures, the kind of measures we've put in place as a state, as a country, to deal with these issues, have they worked at all? Or we've just been paying lip service to fighting bribery, fighting graft, whilst we've achieved nothing at all? Well, let me say some measures have achieved something, but in the main, we have just been paying lip service. I mean, honestly speaking, um, the robustness with which I was expecting that, uh, for example, the governments of the, the past few governments would have taken this issue up and ensure that the systems we've talked about where they can put 
funding to ensure that the NACAP is deployed and deployed effectively, the institutions that uh, should have more resources in order to deliver on this mandate, the setting of an example. And for me, that is key. I mean, if you want to show that we are serious about this, when there's a hint of corruption, you have people suspended. You tell them that they cannot work. You change your, your cabinet. You pull people off their ministerial portfolios. But to seemingly seem to indulge and embrace all of this, it absolutely does not show that we have that commitment towards dealing with corruption. And let me say that it has become very apparent that this is not just an issue of institutions of state and uh, politicians and what have you. It's an issue of Ghanaians. And I would like to rope in the fact that I think that the moral compass of this nation appears to be falling. And so but, the but we are a very religious country. Yes. So the churches have failed. The church has failed us. The church has failed us. If there's any place where values that ought to be there with you for a lifetime are cultivated and nurtured, it's the church. It's 71.3% of us go to church. And our pastors and churches were doing the right thing. Those values should still be seen at every aspect of our lives in terms of the spheres that we occupy. It doesn't matter whether you are somebody who is just in your, uh, whatever, a kayaye, or you are somebody who is a minister, or you are somebody who, you know, you are a student leader, you know. So we need to look at ourselves and say, look, over from the 70s to now, we seem to have been gradually sliding now, and then there's a rapid deterioration in the value systems in this country. There's obviously a corruption of the soul which is being reflected. And we need to go back to basics and say, how, what are the core values that Ghanaians start for? How are we going to make sure the next generation have these values and greed does not take over us and we see it in every sphere. And when you pick a report, even the public sector people are now saying, look, this thing is becoming too much. Mm. So um, I, I'll come to you shortly, Kofi Franklin, but Nana Kofi Akwa, you are a pastor. That is certainly an indictment on the church, of course, the yes. mosques and other religious organizations. Of course, you agree yes. with Adam Senna completely that the religious organizations we have in the country have failed us in terms of imbibing on the people that kind of moral compass. Yes. So what we have done in the past is that as a individual religious leaders, we have sought to uh, be standout individuals. You know, we've sought to fight corruption at the personal level. And there are a lot of people who are happy to wear their white uh, garments and cassocks and brag about how they've never paid a bribe. But we are talking about a nation's welfare here. And so when you are talking about nations, you have to think systems. You know, so for example, Julius, who was busy pointing fingers at the Ghana police. Imagine if the police stopped 100 people and all 100 of them refused to pay a bribe. What do you think will happen? So it is easy to point fingers and say, uh, this one is corrupt, that one is corrupt. No, we are a corrupt people. Listen, when you go to church and the preacher is telling you, tells you some fantastic testimony of how somebody gave uh, uh, some $10 or 10 Ghana cities and they had the 24-hour miracle, you are speaking to thousands of people. You are telling them that everybody should bring some money and within 24 hours they'll get a miracle. Isn't that corruption? I mean, how do you guarantee, by, by what divine word, 
can you guarantee that everybody who brings money now will get a miracle in 24 hours? And the churches that did that and keep on doing that, has anybody ever investigated and interrogated them? Is that not, is that not a question of faith? Is that not a question of someone's faith? <laughs> that if I, as they call it, if I sow this seed, if I give this amount, if I do this, then I can get this? Is it, is it not a injunction I mean, that, I mean, do. if you have I mean, a faith like Sinapiaba, you can do this, you can do that. Is that not ingrained yes, in the scripture itself? Yes, but, but okay, so I, I, I really don't want to preach on, on here, but if you look at how God works and how God thinks, yes, he, he gives us abundance, he blesses us, he encourages us to give and all that. But God thinks in systems, you see, he thinks in systems. And that's why actually teaching your people, you know, as a pastor. So, for example, in our church, every Sunday we take just one offering. Before the offering, we announce that if this is your first time, it is not compulsory. Don't feel compelled to put money in the offering basket. And we tell people, before you come to church, look at your finances and decide in your heart how much offering you can give before you come. So coming to church is not where somebody is going to manipulate you and tell you some fantastic stories. And out of frustration, you, you are trying to raise 2,000 Ghana CDs for your daughter's school fees. All you've raised so far is 500 CDs. And a preacher tells you, sow it in faith, and God will make, make a way. And, and somebody will come and give a testimony about how they sold 300 and got 4,000. And you do. Did you really do that out of faith? Or you, did you do that out of frustration? You know, there's a huge difference between faith and frustration. Faith is not the absence of wisdom. You know, faith is not the absence of planning. Faith is not the absence of... There's so much that is wrong. There's so much that is... as a Listen, why do Ghanaians suffer? It's not the devil. 80% of our problems in this country have nothing to do with the devil. And yet, politicians will tell us to blame the devil. Pastors will tell us to blame the devil. So people go to church and you hear them screaming all night, fire, fire, burning, screaming. They won't let you sleep. Why? Why? Because they are frustrated. Listen, when majority of the people who do this, they give, they are not given by faith. They are frustrated. They are in a hard place. They, they have medical conditions that they can't afford the, 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 the bill. They can't afford the surgery. You know, so if somebody says, uh, come and sow 10 CDs or, or uh, come and put five, and, and they'll pour some oil on you, and, you know, that disease will disappear. They will. Hmm. They will. That is not faith. That is not faith. A lot of these people, if everything becomes all right and they become very comfortable and life is good, you won't see them in church. You know, we, poverty is a problem in this country, and inequality is rising. You know, apart from being a pastor, I'm also a journalist. I'm a photojournalist. And, you know, in 2019, I went from the south of Ghana to the Upper East and to every corner, interviewing people. How are people surviving? I am sure if I was to do the same story today, you know, the stories out here would be even more harrowing. We have serious issues. Young people turn into betting. Why are they betting? Do you think they are betting because they are stupid? They are betting because what they have is already not enough to solve their problems. They went to church, they were told, so this and, and some abundance will happen. It didn't happen so well. Church is not a very good gamble place. Let's try something else. People are gambling because they find themselves in a difficult place. The systems are not reliable. You know, the systems are not reliable. And I hope that uh, we will stop stealing from the poor using religious language. You know, we'll stop exploiting the poor using the Bible. You know, and rather genuinely commit. How do we raise a nation of, of, of integrity? Mm. How do we do that? Mm. And we start that by having the honest conversations. If you're a pastor, 
and somebody who works for the judicial service comes to pay a tithe of 10,000 Ghana cities, are you not supposed to ask questions? Hmm. You're supposed to ask questions. Hmm. So why are you not asking questions? Why did you just say, God bless you, and prophesy, and let them go? Right. So we know what is going on. We know, we, we, it is not the best. Certainly. It I is mean, not the best. Fra Franklin, Franklin, um, what are your own views on this? Yeah, like I earlier stated that um, this uh, issue of corruption and bribery has to do with uh, our leaders. You see, we live in a country that um, uh, government set up uh, an institution, a special prosecutor's office, to, to tackle this uh, systemic issue of corruption. Then the same leadership frustrates that very same office that has been put up to tackle the corruption under resource the same office is under resource to the to the to the point of our first special prosecutor resigning from office what is the signal that our leadership is sending out to uh, the general public that indeed they are committed to um to fight corruption so like it is it is it is usually said that leadership is oh, is the cause any other thing is, is, is the effect so until our leaders actually sit up to show very um, committed, and they put in a lot of strikes uh, measures to 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 tackle corruption. We'll all be singing this same song, and nothing will be done. Now, when you take when you come to the health sector, the issue of no bed syndrome, it has been with us for decades. What has been actually done to resolve it? If I'm a nurse, a nurse, and you see, recently the SNET boss came out. With, with a release that 87% of public sector's workers earn less than 3,000. See, let's be very realistic. A public sector worker earning less than 3,000 in this economy. And I mean, a, a public sector worker in the health sector with the issue of no bed syndrome, then you have about hundreds of patients just fighting for one, one bed. I mean, that is when the, all the offers of money and all those things comes in. And looking at a nurse, and then such a small amount of money and all the frustrations that he or she will go through, I mean, you will be compelled to take it because mm -hmm. the, 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 the system will make you so vulnerable that if you are offered a bribe, you can't even re uh, reject it. Because if, you're, if you reject it, what are you going home to, 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 feed, to get to feed your family? Mm. Julius, so Fra Fra Julius, Franklin says people's salaries can take them home. They are take home salaries it just can't take them home so you are forced to be corrupt you're making a point there before your line dropped then you can you can add this point as well yeah so Kweku, i was saying that we shouldn't pretend and say because you know the ordinary Ghanaian has a tendency to be corrupt we shouldn't call out institutions that have been uh, sort of fingered in this report and i was looking at the police service and making a juxtaposition with the health service the report shows that People made more contact with health workers and lecturers than they made contact with the police. But if you look at the number of people who had bribery incidents with the police and the number of people who had bribery incidents with, with, with health workers and, 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 and lecturers, you realize that the police, the number is astronomical, which means there's an endemic problem in the Ghana police service. If you look at the, the problems of the health service, it's obvious that structural problems like lack of beds and all those things in the hospital are the problem. That is why the people, that there is that reverse connection, that the indiscipline I spoke about earlier, the person who needs the bed will make an offer 
and the, the one at the receiving end would have to accept it. But if you look at the police service, I'm on the road. You said I'm driving DB, and, and, and my, 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 my logbook is not up to date, and you stop me. The law says take me to court or give me a, note, a, 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 a receipt so that I come to court within 48 hours. You refuse to do that and ask me to pay so that I can go. When I pay and I go, the law you said I am breaking, I still keep driving and breaking it. But 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 that, but that is the point Nana Kufiakwa makes that. Where is the individual responsibility? Because if the police met thousand people on the road when he had done nothing wrong and decided to extort money from them, and all of them demanded to see their superiors to demand that we are not going to pay this amount, then we'll be doing something. What happens if for the first time I was caught on the road driving DB I'm not supposed to be driving and I'm processed to court? And I have to go and deal with the law over there and pay. Do you think next time I'll, re I'll repeat the same thing? I won't. But the moment the police ask me to pay and I can go on doing it, I feel that, okay, instead of wasting time and getting things done, I could just drive and I'll give the police five cities or ten cities and I'm good to go. That is the problem with the police service as an institution we need to deal with. So if we want to deal with individual problems as well, we must tackle the institutional problems that enable people to keep doing these corrupt acts. If you don't do that, and you feel that every Ghanaian is corrupt, let's deal with it, let's talk to pastors and all, and the institutions that this report is pointing out, we leave them out, the problems persist. Let's talk about passport service. There are timelines they are supposed to meet. Then they deliberately keep the things there because Goro boys are around who are connected to them, and the more they delay, the more the Goro boys get, you know, their, 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 their chances to loot people. And then those in charge also get their share. Let's deal with those systemic problems as well mm. before that, that, we go to individuals, Ghanaians, generally generals, and all these issues. Mm. That's that, the that, issue of Nana Kufiakwa, he is right. Julius, I'll come back to you. Nana Kufiakwa, he is right, is he not? That the system just frustrates you. I mean, if the police arrested 1,000 people and all of them said no, there may be people who are so busy, who are so late, they are going for some meeting, they are going somewhere, who just get forced to, to pay something. Simply not because they want to do it, but because of the exigencies of the time. I, I mean, everything Julius is saying makes sense, but it's not the only way. You see, we are solving a hydra-headed problem. There is the police demanding, there is we paying, uh, there is lands commission demanding, there is we paying. Uh, there is the policymaker who makes a tax law where if you import certain things, you have to pay about 50% of the value, which most people can just, I mean, it's not practical. So, you know, so then there's, a, there's the lawmaker who also has to actually be reasonable and ask themselves, if I have to pay, will I pay 50%, you know? And, and then there is us. So, for example, the gentleman who said uh, uh, corruption is a leadership problem. No, corruption is our problem, but the solution must start with leadership. Those are two different things. Uh, leaders are not, is it leadership? These are, they were, everybody in, in, in government now was an ordinary person uh, a few years ago. They were just ordinary people. They were you and me. And then we voted them into power, you know? And so if you think you're only solving it at that level, uh, I'm sorry, the next batch will come. And and they will start doing it again. No, 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 uh, I get the I get the point. I get the point you are making to say that there are politicians reflect our society. But are there also not yeah. few honest men and women who get into politics who the demands of the system 
automatically turn them to be corrupt because their salaries, their allowances, how much they earn, just can't make up for the demands of the people. So then they have to yes. resort to other means of income to supplement that. But, but, but I wish that that was the case. There are people who have a lot who are still corrupt. Uh, uh, corruption is not just something the needy do. It will be very honest in this country. You know, there are people who it's it's, it's, it's it's addictive. You know, if I don't have to do anything, and I get a thousand Ghana cities, you know, just sit and hold hold some document back, and somebody gives me two hundred, somebody gives me hundred. It's addictive. It's easy money, and that's why I feel that if we genuinely want to fix corruption, so what Julius is saying, yes. It may be necessary, not maybe, it is necessary that the Ghana Police Service sits down and says, is it possible for us to root out corruption? What will it take? You know, and and, and, and go on that mission. Uh, Parliament must do the same. Uh, Flagstaff House <laughs> must do the same. You know, people, but but it begins for me personally, If well, maybe because I'm a pastor, but the Bible teaches a lot about individual accountability. It is good that I wish that every Ghanaian will change. You know, uh, but that is the wish. But I can hold myself accountable for for the times. And, and I even call, when we call in favors because we are connected, to me, that is a form of corruption. That means, to me, it means that we know the system doesn't work, but because it doesn't affect us, we turn a blind eye, you know. Let's design a system that works. So the poor person who knows nobody <laughs> will also have access. So that a rich person who knows people will have equal access. Until we are able to create that, because in many countries, that is how the system works. You don't need to do any, know anybody for the system to work for you, you know. And, and I am hoping that we can get there. We can get there by holding, hold self accountable, you know. And I hope that, and I really like what Adam was saying. We are aware of the problems. What are the solutions? How do we change it? Because obviously, corruption didn't start with the 70s. Nkrumah's government was undermined by corruption. He was sitting there traveling across Africa, preaching United Africa, United Africa. Next thing you know, people were uh, 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 importing snow, snow, snow equipment as combined harvesters. You know, his government was undermined by serious corruption that took him by surprise. We have been corrupt for a very, very, very long time. You know, and I really hope that I, I'm not an expert on fighting corruption, you know, uh, but and, and actually would be very happy to have conversations with Adam later on because mm. he's, he's been committed to this. You know, but I really am very curious, you know, if we want to approach corruption, this huge problem, how do we do it? Because it is a big problem. Mm. So, Adam, Adam, you, you have been doing this. And, and as I go to Adam, if you have your views to share with us, you have anecdotes. What do you make of what our connectors have, spo uh, have said? You can connect with us 055-111-1997. 055-111-1997. Send us a WhatsApp message. We'll be grateful to read. And Adam said, I know, he, he, I mean, Nanakufiakwa reference you in terms of the, your lifelong work in fighting corruption. You look at how we've been fighting corruption as a nation, and I'm bringing this to the national level. Are we winning it? Given the kind of institutions we've set up, are we are we doing something right, or we are simply stuck in the old days where we are just not getting it right? Hello, Sedanu. 
Well, I think I lost Adam Senan there. Julius, well, I'm, I'm, I think you, lost him. Yeah, Julius, yeah. the same question can go to you. Do you think we are doing something right? Do you think we are winning? OSP, Shraj, all these big, powerful institutions that we are putting a lot of money in, Yoko and the likes, are we winning? I, I don't think we are winning the fight against corruption. And and the, the, the very sad thing is how we have even transitioned it to younger people. Look at what this report says about the, the, the people who are in the bright paying category. I mean, for another generation, we have people who are already used to paying bribes. See, Koku, if you stand for right things to be done in our generation, you are an outsider. You are an outsider. People people see you as, I don't know, like you are you are you are strange. You are a stranger in Jerusalem of a sort. And what the state is doing is that they are duplicating roles every day and failing to actually make the existing institutions to tackle the problem. For example, Shrad. I lost, I lost, I lost Julius there again. Time now to take some views from social media, from our WhatsApp consoles. You know, the views have been coming in. What exactly do you think about this particular conversation? Do you think we are winning the fight against corruption? And this latest report, does it indict us that much? My colleague Mano Krantin joins us with some messages. Mano, what are connectors saying on social media? Also, quite a number of messages are coming through on our, our WhatsApp console. Uh, for instance, um, this one from... Um, Kumasi says that uh, we know a lot of our politicians are actually corrupt. Uh, they set the pace for us. And then as you, we are very, very discouraged. And so we are only left to do uh, the same things. Um, this one is coming from Sami. Sami says that, are we talking about corruption? It is a lost cause. Let us all drink water and sleep. I am corrupt. You are corrupt. We are all uh, Ma Mano, corrupt. Are you, are you corrupt? The person is speaking for all of us. So. <laughs> I, I, I guess nobody can speak. <laughs> I want to ask whether as a human being or as a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, uh, you know, uh, these are um, some of the um, messages that are coming through. Mm. This one says, good evening, Joy. I was to travel outside, so I decided to renew my passport at Kuforia. See, the officer started with prayers. Would you believe these so-called Christian officers were seven people outside um, of us? I have to speak and they intentionally delayed my document and I missed the opportunity to travel outside. Uh, never. <laughs> and so it's very corrupt. And uh, He mentions the particular passport office. That exactly. Exactly. Um, the knee, so this one says, no wonder. The police is corrupt. The police itself is made up of political party favors. But this is not what you know the the report says the report mm. said they are corrupt this one says that ndc comes to power they recruit most of their party members into the service the same with the npp and so those with passion to serve are pushed aside so there's no commitment to professionalism uh, and the result 
is a hazard killing occurring uh, these days. That is uh, Jonas from Lashibi. And this one um, is from... Um, this one says that as one of it's quite a lengthy one says as one of the panelists that's Adam is saying the society and system is programmed uh, or meant to make us corrupt i'll take Adam and franklin's side of low income levels it is something we really need um to look at to take bribery from the system will involve all Ghanaians right from leadership uh, um, being accountable even up to the chief security officer and so julius this one says it's coming from Yao Dublin. It says Julius is failing to note that all the people he's pointing at are, and this is Bowden, typical Ghanaians born and bred mm. in a Ghanaian society. Mm. These are people who are pretending to be angels uh, due to lack of opportunity. We are mm. all corrupt, and this goes to reinforce the earlier, the very first comment that I read. Mm. So Yao, listening um, to us from Ireland, Dublin, says that okay. So let me let me let me do a round a last round with my connectors in terms of what the way forward is and how we can deal with this. Let me start from let me start with you again, um, um, Nana Kufiakwa. Hello, Nana. Can you unmute? Hello, Nana. I'm here. Yes, I yeah. can hear you. So what what what? what uh, how do we deal with this? I mean, we are wrapping up, but how is it? Is there is there is there hope? That we can ever win the fight against corruption, bribery, graft in a Ghanaian society. If you ask in a me, minute. I'll say that I, I think we should start with education. Uh, let's start with educating our children. Uh, we have to introduce serious anti-corruption lessons in, in in our educational system. Let's begin from there. Let's let's raise a generation that are so indoctrinated against corruption that they won't easily compromise and, and work our way up. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a huge job. I actually believe that churches, because we are dominantly Christian and Muslim in this country, I would say that uh, churches and mosques have a huge responsibility. They have great opportunity to actually uh, speak and actively campaign uh, against corruption in this nation. Uh, there are some of the few people politicians mm. listen to because a lot of them either come to church or go to the mosque. Mm. Uh, let's begin from there. And when we see somebody, this is very, very important. If you ever meet a police officer who is not corrupt, if anybody does a job for you and you know they, they don't show any sign of corruption, send them a beautiful note later to mm. say thank you mm. and, and write to their boss commending them for how well they, how well they did. Let's right. encourage those who are not corrupt. Let's mm. celebrate them. Uh, I want to say that what Atamil's legacy showed me uh, after he died, and you know, if I, even when he was in government, I had opposition at the time telling him, uh, saying that even if people came to tell them, the opposition, that Atamil's was corrupt, they wouldn't believe it. What Atamil's showed me that it is actually possible to be Ghanaian and not be corrupt. Right. And I so, hope that together we will we will, we will hold that value high. And, and bring change. Mm. Thank you. I'll, I'll give Adam Selanu the last word, but let me take Franklin's view first. Is there any way we can win this in 30 seconds? Franklin. Yes, what I think should be done, like I earlier said, our leaders should show much commit, commitment to uh, tackling corruption. We, we should, they should create that environment whereby um, leaders uh, that are, are found to be in corrupt deeds and uh, corrupt cases should be held accountable in in, 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 in the glaring view mm. of the public. Right. Right. Let, let me let me let me come to you, Adam Senanu. 
in a minute, is there any way at all we get to win this? And what do you think should be done for the way forward? Three things I want to highlight. One, like uh, um, uh, Nana said, education. Two, the church and religious bodies must be at the forefront of nurturing a generation that takes value seriously. Three, we ought to make sure that policies and systems work. Let's strengthen the prosecution of people who are doing the wrong thing and set that example so that it becomes high risk, low gain, and people will learn to stop being involved in corrupt practices. There are things we have not done well as a, 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 in, in the past, and our leaders must lead. They should stop talking and not walking the talk. Thank you. Right. So this is how we, we, we draw the curtains down on today's show. I mean, clearly, this is a very important Ghanaian subject. Corruption is has become such an endemic thing for society. Do you think we can ever win this fight? And what do you think as a society we can do to win this? My name is Kweku Asante. I sat in for Evans Mensa. We'll come your way next week with another interesting edition of Ghana Connect. Today we've been discussing corruption and the latest report from the Ghana Statistical Service that said up to 5 billion Ghana cities in bribes were paid in 2021 alone. And Gifty Ando Apia, my former colleague here, sent me a message interesting. He says, you know about lobbying in the Western world? Do you know that in the U.S., organizations employ lobbyists to lobby members of parliament? The difference is that these are on record and the payments that tend to happen in Ghana and in other parts of Africa are not documented. Perhaps we should start institutionalizing lobbying too. That way there's transparency and corruption perception might change. This conversation will go on and on. My name is Kweku Asante. Have a great evening. James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is the Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. And welcome to the Football Daily with me, Aaron Paul. Very happy to say I'm in the company of the former Liverpool and Everton, West Ham and Millwall midfielder Don Hutchinson <laughs> and Five Live Sport Euro League's legend, the one and only Julian Laurent is with us. Um, Jules, good to have you with us. I haven't worked with you before, but really looking forward to it. You cover a, a ridiculous amount of European football across different countries, but if there's one pundit if there's one person who could challenge that level of expertise on the various leagues i reckon it would be don hutchinson so while we have you both with us i'm going to throw some bbc sport gossip column transfer rumors at you that have a bit of a continental flavor on a scale of one to ten i want sort of you know how likely are they going to happen one 
not a sausage. Ten being get your shirt printed. In fact, get your arm tattooed. Tell me about these deals. Let's start with Ajax's Anthony to Manchester United. Are you having it? Yes, I am. I think it's a seven out of ten right now because again, this is this is off now. Things can change very quickly in both ways, as, as we all know in football. I will, yeah, I will go seven out of ten for now because Ten Hag wants to work with him again. I think he wants to move to a bigger club, which United are compared to Ajax. So. I think this one, yeah, this one's got legs. Not yet the full shirt printed, but start making your way to the towards the shop. Book the tattoo artist, don't get it done yet. Not yet, not yet, yeah. Wait a little. Donald, you having it? Well, if Julian's going seven, I'm going eight. Of course <laughs> I am. Uh, for Fight all the reasons talk. that Jules has mentioned, I think it's always nice as a player when your manager gets a move and you want to follow your manager who you trust. And Anthony is an unbelievable player. Me and Jules have seen so much of him. He's so talented, plays on the right-hand side. Cuts in on his wand of a left foot. So for United, if they can get the, the signing over the line, you're a good signing. What about Evan Nielsen of Porto to Manchester United, Jules? Uh, not a sausage, not a Pringle, not a whatever. I mean, certainly for now, there's been no contact, no offers, unlike what was reported in Portugal. He's a young player, he's 22. He's, he's promising. I think there's something there. I don't think right now he's what one United need two that is even ready for it. He's not a Darwin Nunes, for example, or, or Erling Haaland. So right now, nothing. Just don't leave the sofa. Don, I'm coming back to you first with this one because I feel that you're just going to follow Julian otherwise. Uh, <laughs> Rafinha of Leeds United to Barcelona. Are you having it? Have they got some money? Well, see, Leeds? I don't know because Barca's just an absolute conundrum because he set his heart on Barca, but we all know with their financial problems, no one's got a clue, really. Julian's the best man to talk about their finances, but no one really knows because have they got any money? Do they need to sell? Lewandowski's waiting in the wings. That's their number one priority signing. Arsenal have come in. So my hunch is him going to Barca is probably about a three out of ten. I think that's that's good. Three out of ten, that's good, Don, because they don't have the money. And if they have a little bit of money from the, the young transfer, for example, or someone else's transfer... They can, I mean, they will have, they, they, they are only allowed to use 25% of, of that money anyway. So it won't take them far. It certainly won't take them as high as, as Leeds wants for, for Rafinha. So there's Lewandowski, as you said before, there's probably even Bernardo Silva ahead, mm -hmm. ahead in that order. And Cassie and Christensen to register as well with some of that money from the young transfer. So I'm afraid, but I think Rafinha will have to, to, to think about another club. Jules, PSG or Bayern to potentially beat Chelsea to Usman Dembele? What do you reckon? Hmm, I would say neither, boys. Neither PSG were keen at some point because he's Kylian's friend and also because Leonardo was the sporting director. Now that Leonardo is gone and the club is taking a slightly different direction, he's not so high on the shortlist. And for Bayern, they've just signed Sadio Mane. So how many wingers do you want? I mean, I, I know, Aaron, you love a winger, but I mean, come on, how many do you want to play? So Coman and Sané and Gnabry are still there and Mane now. If you add Dembele to it, I think this is really too many. So for me, Chelsea, I think they need someone like him. I think obviously Tuchel has worked with him at Dortmund before. He loves him. I think the Premier League would be good for, for Usman. Uh, I'm not sure if London would be good. There's a lot of distractions, but... <laughs> but I think, you know, if he can behave, there, there's something there. Pas une saucisse, as you would say. No, peut-être une petite saucisse. Just a little one, just a little one. Are you, are you having that, Don? Is it a little saucisse?